0: Hey, logo geeks! Ian Paget here, and on this week's podcast, I'm chatting with Ben Burns to find out about stylescapes and proposals. But before we get into that, I want to thank FreshBooks, who have sponsored this episode. FreshBooks is a cloud-based accounting software built for creative professionals like you where you can create invoices quickly, keep track of your expenses, create proposals, log your time and more. One key feature I love is that when you send your invoice through FreshBooks you'll know when your client's seen the invoice and if they don't pay it will send automatic follow-up emails too. It's worth checking out for yourself and right now I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial, no credit card required. To claim it just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek and be sure to enter Logo Geek in how did you hear about us section. So this week I'm interviewing Ben Burns. Ben currently serves in a dual role, firstly as creative director for the branding agency Blind, but listeners who already know Ben will know him from the Future, an educational platform that helps creatives, artists and entrepreneurs. The future YouTube channel is one of my personal favorites. I interviewed Christo back in season one, which is definitely worth listening to. But the training content that they also put out is really solid too. And Ben is one of the key contributors to that content. At the moment, due to coronavirus, most of us are working from home. Um, It's the same for almost everyone around the world and I know some people who are still thankfully busy but I also know others who are quieter than they would normally be and if that's you it's an ideal time to focus on learning some new skills to help during this time the future have reduced the prices on their courses by 20% uh, with courses ranging from typography to color to logo design Uh, the stuff on mindset too. lots of solid material to help improve Either your design skills or if you're a design business, uh, there's lots of stuff to help with process and mindset. There's there's loads in there for whatever level you are at. So it's worth checking those out whilst you can save that 20%. If you do go and check out those courses, go via loggeek.uk forward slash future. That's an affiliate link, meaning that if you purchase any of the courses, via that link I will receive a commission at no extra cost to you. So going via that link you'll be helping to support the production of the Logo Geek podcast. So again if you want to check out those courses receive that 20% discount and support the Logo Geek podcast in the process head to logogeek.uk forward slash future. As I know Ben created a few of the main products, I thought it would be a fantastic opportunity to dig into a few of them that I know will be helpful for you guys. So in this conversation, we focus on two key areas, stylescapes and proposals. I remember when I first heard about Starscapes I thought it was just a fancy name for a mood board so I didn't pay too much attention to them but after watching the Builder brand series that the Future put together last year I could definitely see the value in the format and it was clearly more than just a mood board. The approach is fantastic for providing clarity on the direction of a brand and it's a great way to play with ideas and push the client uh, further than they might have uh, considered otherwise and, and that's why I wanted to discuss this with Ben so that we can all learn more together from him. In the second part of the interview we discuss proposals And being transparent until recently, I've not sent a proposal document to clients. Whenever a client's got in touch, I've discussed how I can help either by email or on the phone. And if they've agreed to go ahead, that's when I've sent over a contract to kick off the project. But that's when my business was just a side venture. So I wasn't too bothered if only a few people went ahead. But now I am full time. I want to take things much more seriously and I'm keen to increase the conversion rate on the amount of leads that I convert to sales and I know a proposal is a solid way to help to do that. I've had quite a few conversations over the past month with designers to see what they send and quite a lot have actually used the perfect proposal that Ben created as the foundation for what they put together themselves and that's why I wanted to discuss this with Ben so that we can all learn more together from him about creating the best proposal to send. So let's dive straight into this. Here is the interview with Ben Burns. When I started out as a graphic designer, I, I learned about mood boards and I saw the importance of creating one. And I remember a few years ago, I started to follow what the future was doing, what Christo Do was doing, and he was using this term stylescapes. And I remember thinking back then, oh, it's just a mood board. But I've learned since then that it's um, a lot more than that. And I, I've seen the real value to the approach. Could you explain to the audience what a stylescape is and why you would use one within your logo design process? Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: stylescape is a mood board, right? But the the way that we're putting stylescapes together is so much more than a mood board. Um And it really originated from a point of frustration. Uh, Chris and, and Jose created this term, StyleScape, to represent what they were doing. And the reason why they made it was because they had a client that just could not decide on the direction that they wanted to go in. And so they would show logo after logo after logo trying to nail this person's direction, and they just couldn't find it. And so they realized that they needed a way for the company as a whole to be able to set like I call it the compass direction. You know, you may not know exactly where you're going, but you can at least know that you're gonna go north or south or 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 west um for the for the project. And so they started experimenting with different styles of mood boards. Eventually they landed on this this term called stylescape and it it's a weird shape. It's it's really long. Um, it's it's almost like one of those 49 inch monitors, uh, kind of shape. And it incorporates pretty much everything that you could create from a branding, uh, touch point point of view. So typography, wayfinding, um, you know, colors, um, even iconography, UI design, interior design. Um, and, and it's, it's basically, you pull all of this, all of these things together into one composition so that in one look you can see the visual direction of the brand. And that's something that like even a mood board, even if you're just cobbling together um, a Pinterest board of images, it, it doesn't accomplish what a stylescape accomplishes because a stylescape is in and of itself a composition. So it's it's kind of like, you know. I, it's it's a it's a long way of saying
0: it's it's more like a mood board on crack. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. Um, is there any reason why you use that long, wide format? Um, I watched the builder brand series you did, which I'll link to in the show notes, and and I understand why it would work well in in an in person meeting uh, format like that, as you can put them down on the table and look at them. But do you still use that same? Uh, wide format even when you're presenting these to clients say for the internet
1: yeah yeah we do so for for those of you guys at home if you can picture something printed out that's literally 55 inches long by maybe 15 inches tall that's how big these things are so whenever we go to meetings you have this like really impactful piece that you can leave behind for your client. Um and the beautiful thing is in email form or in digital form what's nice is you can walk the customer or the client through the stylescape by showing them the whole picture first and then it breaks down to like two or three i forget the exact dimensions. It breaks down to like 3 19 by tw- or 1920 by 1080 um almost uh slides if you will as you're going through so you can you can break up the um presentation and kind of like do a deep dive and zoom way in on the stylescape and show them um each integral piece of what you
0: in you know pulled in to the composition so it's a, it's a good way to like zoom in basically i never really thought about it like that uh, since you can zoom in and, and gradually slide across the page you can use it to tell a story for for the identity and uh that's a really nice way to do it um i i, I didn't actually think the wide format would work that well on screen and um i've been thinking that uh, maybe an a4 format would have been more effective but thinking of it like that i, I really love the idea um i don't actually use starscapes myself at the moment or, although i do create more traditional me boards frequently but the the wide format seems like a really smart way to do it so um i'm going to have to give it a go myself yeah yeah.
1: And you don't have to call them stylescapes, you know, call them mood boards or whatever you want. Um, the the whole point is, is that like, we just want to move past a Pinterest board and into something that's more like a composition because the, the, the key to this thing is being able to see how different pieces work together. And so you're literally Photoshopping out the backgrounds of packaging and then superimposing that image over, um, you know, maybe like a, like a UI design and you're curating all these gems that you find and, and building something new and that something new is like the sum or the totality of, of everything else. So that's the whole point. So call it whatever you want, but we want to make sure that like you're creating something that's, that can stand
0: on its own two feet. Absolutely. Um, I, I noticed in the Build a Brand series that you present more than one stylescape. And I, I was surprised by this because when you work in a more strategic way, which you guys do, um, I would have thought that you would have a, a clear direction for the brand, uh, you know, knowing who they are as a business, who they're up against in the market, who they're trying to target. Um, so I would have thought that you would want to just show one direction that you would recommend based on all that information. So What's the reason why you're presenting multiple directions?
1: Mm, yeah, so this is where the uh, divergent and convergent um, theories of of branding kind of come together. So we want to create as little as possible. Um, it's just we want to be efficient with our creativity and we want to be efficient with our, the way that we spend the time on the project. So curating... And pushing these things, you know, collecting images and, and creating stylescapes is a lot less work and it's a lot less effort than actually creating brands to pitch to the client or to, to show the client for approval. So we present multiple stylescapes because they're easier to create. I can do one in four to six hours, and you know it's a great way to show the client like, hey, I know you said modern, I know you said minimal, but here are three or four or five different ways that we can interpret those words. So when you're translating words into visuals, that's the biggest jump in the project. That first step, trans, that, that trans, translating words into visuals is probably the, the toughest thing to do because you're still guessing even if the client described what you're thinking to a T, they may be thinking to something totally different. So using stylescapes to bridge that gap is a great way to do that efficiently. Um, And then from there, once they choose a stylescape, you know, the sandbox that you have to play in gets a lot smaller. So it's a lot easier to create a logo or to create a brand or a UI that's exactly what the client wants um, based on their decisions from the stylescape.
0: Yes, yeah, it sounds like it creates a lot of clarity, especially when words like modern can be so so subjective and mean different things to different people. Uh, I, I would assume that in uh, these scenarios where you do show three or four options that there might be parts of one and, and bits of another that the client might feel to be more appropriate and then you can pull all these bits together and, and create a new one that your client would eventually agree on.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We do. We do rounds of revisions for stylescapes just for that purpose, because a lot of times they'll see something like especially with the wild cards. The wild cards are something else. You know, we will do three that are based on um, what we think that the client wants, and then we'll throw one more in there that's really just kind of something special. Um, Maybe it's just an off the wall thing that we've been um, into or maybe we're stretching the client's words just a little bit farther. And a lot of times the clients will see the wild card and they'll be like, Ooh, I hadn't pictured that, but that looks really good. And, you know, I want to say maybe five or six times out of 10, they'll choose the wild card. uh,
0: And, and it's, yeah, it's just a wonderful,
1: it's a wonderful thing.
0: Well, I, I know you have a course on how to create Starscape. So in the show notes, I'm going to uh, link to that for anyone that wants to dig deeper into how to go about uh, putting one together. But so that listeners have something to um, start on, would you mind spending a few minutes talking through how you would go about creating a Starscape? Absolutely, yeah. Um, the first,
1: The first thing that you need is the words that describe what the client wants. And so whether that's modern or minimal or snazzy, I don't know, you know, the clients say some crazy things sometimes, but you wanna have a list of words that you're gonna base the stylescape on. And then you're gonna go into curation. So you're gonna collect images from the internet. Um, Pinterest is great for this, Dribbble is great for this, Um, Behance, even just Google. um, You're going to collect all these images that represents those words. Um, So uh, let's say we're doing minimal, for example. I would look for minimal typography and uh, minimal brochure design, minimal wayfinding. I would try and search and find images that represent all of the different touch points seen through the lens of that one word. So once you have your collection, once you have your file folder full of images, then you're gonna start uh, Photoshopping things together. And we go in deep on composition in the uh, in the course, so I'm not going to cover that too big too much here. Um, but there's a way that you can compose these things so that the the piece has a good flow to it, and you want each section to kind of flow into the next. And then one thing that we do is we actually pull in a user profile from our discovery sessions. So this is the customer of the client, and we actually find an image that represents this profile or this person and put that, we, we put that image right on the stylescape. So we can kind of meter. It's like, hey, is a soccer mom really gonna want to be like shopping at some hype beast store? Maybe, but probably not, right? So having that user profile image on the, on the uh, stylescape is a good way to kind of like measure what we're doing. Um, and then once the composition is done, you move on to the next one. How else can you interpret those those words? Um, once you have three or four, then you move into presentation. And presenting these things to clients is um, it can be a little challenging because some people, uh, especially like really business minded folks, are not going to realize that they're that they're looking at examples. So there's a there's a good way that you can kind of guide them through the composition and saying, hey, you have to use your imagination here. Does this fit the brand that, that you're trying to create, or does this fit the UI that you're trying to create? Um, once the presentation's done, there's probably going to be some revisions, and then, and then you're
0: in the clear. Brilliant that that was a really good explanation in a short space of time and and as mentioned if anyone wants to really dig deeper into understanding the composition you guys use as you mentioned they can go and check out the course which will go into more detail. One question I do have which I know some in the audience might be asking the the images that you're using Um, the the ones that you're sourcing to use when you're creating websites and brochures and work for clients you you need to source images that you have the copyright to use such as royalty-free images or um, you know you might pay a photographer to take photos for you Mm -hmm. with stylescapes to provide some clarity to listeners am I right that you can pretty much use any imagery that you find online and Um, that you don't need to worry about copyright because it's in a private setting between you and your client? Yeah, so
1: I'm not a lawyer. Um, So take all of this with a grain of salt. And uh, for all of these people who are out there creating amazing things, who get pulled onto mood boards and stylescapes, I can understand why you would be upset if you saw this. And I totally get it. Legally, however, um, we're not adopting the work and selling it to the client. That would be bad. That would be um, against the law. It would infringe on someone's copyright. Using another person's work as inspiration and as a part of the process to understand what the client wants, that's okay. And so we we checked with a a copyright attorney about this and and she said, as long as you're not selling this stuff as a deliverable or directly copying them in the final result, you're good. Um, The other thing is that, you know, in the composition section of the, of the course, we guide you through how to alter these images so that they, they all fit together. So if you have two photographs that have been edited by two different foot, two different photographers, they're going to look different. So we walk you through how to, tweak the color and tweak the levels and tweak, uh, you know, the exposure to get them to look the same. So you're actually changing these things as you go to fit. But I think that the biggest distinction is, is that this is a part of a creative process and not a deliverable. So you don't sell these things to the client you're just using them to figure out what the client wants. And if you can understand that distinction that's going to keep you in the clear
0: yeah yeah i i've i've seen big agencies like moving brands even do this Uh, i was lucky enough a few years ago after uh, winning a competition to have a tour of their studio in london and uh, i got to spend time with their creative director to ask questions and he showed me some of the work that they was doing and uh, they did pretty much what you do in, in with a starscape but they um turn it into a video format so they could add on music and uh you know even tell a story as well this was all made using sourced imagery and video that they pretty much pulled off the internet in the same way um none of it they could use publicly but it helped them to show what they had in mind before investing um too much time and, and money into building this identity and the, the, the main reason why i bring this up is because um you can use the same process that blind used to create starscapes but you can create your own way of doing it yeah. starscapes isn't the only way to do it it's just one nice way that solves a lot of these problems that, that you mentioned that chris and jose was having um early on with clients and it's it's an old practice too. It is such an old practice because, you know,
1: you've got, I, I remember when I was working in an agency as an intern really, really early on, um, the internet was there, right? And we were using it on a daily basis. However, the agency had been around for 20 years. And so they had a research room and you could go into this room and it was like this big library. And in this room, there were, there were several different huge file cabinets. I mean, these things were probably six feet wide, maybe six feet tall. I mean, they were just tanks. And you could go in there and open these massive drawers. And uh, I mean, the weight of them was just insane. And there were all these files of cutouts of magazines and uh, books and newspapers that were all reference material. And so, you know, even back in the day, even without the internet, this was going on, you know, people were collecting reference materials so that they could curate things and show them to the clients and and understand what the client's looking for. We're just doing it, you know, digitally.
0: Yeah for sure it's tried and tested and and it works well I think even without showing something like this to your client at any time that I've created created mood boards or pulled together imagery in the way that you mentioned it's really helped a lot to steer the direction of the identity and um, it also inspires me to create something way better than I I would have done without doing uh, that work so um you know it provides clarity to to you and and not just your client and uh, I think it's a, definitely a, a fantastic um approach and and a worthwhile thing to do in your in your uh d- d- design process uh, so listeners if you do want to check out the future course to learn more about starscape i'll set up um some kind of a affiliate link um Uh, logogeek.uk forward slash starscapes and that way when you purchase the product you'll be supporting the Logo podcast in the process at no extra cost to you. I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks who have sponsored this episode. As creatives, we like to spend our time designing logos and brand identities, but a lot of us spend more time than we'd like doing admin work, like creating invoices, chasing payments, logging expenses. And that's where fresh can help you it's an accounting software designed for creative professionals that will save you time for example you can create branded professional looking invoices in as little as 30 seconds you can set up credit card payments right from those invoices too meaning that your clients can pay faster And when it comes around to tax time, you can export out tidy reports for expenses, invoice details, and sales tax to make working with an accountant really simple. Right now, I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial. To claim that, just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek, making sure to enter Logo Geek in how did you hear about a section. Now let's get back to the interview. I want to use the rest of the time we have to talk through creating proposals. I know you created the Perfect Proposal product, which is really solid. And uh, and I don't know if it's your most popular product, but I've spoken to a lot of designers that have actually purchased this and used it as the foundation for their own proposals. Uh, for listeners that don't already use proposals and aren't familiar with why they would need to provide one. Would you mind talking through what a proposal is and why you would need one as part of your sales process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I can remember back in the early days of my freelancing career, uh, the first time somebody asked me uh, to send them an estimate and they use the word estimate. And I remember thinking like, okay, there's probably a good way to do this, but I had no idea. So I basically just cobbled together an email and just said, Hey, um, based on this, I, I think, um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I put the words, I think, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, uh, this project is going to be $50. And, and the tone of my email really probably sounded like that. It was unsure. It was just kind of, you know, it was, it was, it was, not professional. And, um, at that point I I started looking for a solution and I, I knew that there was, you know, something out there and, and I was completely foreign to this term proposal and what I've learned since and, and used to the advantage of both the business that I've grown and sold and then blind, which is, you know, the parent company of the future, um,
0: is that, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Don't worry. That happens to me. So don't worry. I can, I can edit what this out. What was the question? Uh, it was, uh, what is a proposal and why would you need to put one together? Oh, okay. All right. We should leave that in there. That's, that's funny. Yeah. No, worries. Um, it, uh, no worries. I'll leave it in. It, it shows <laughs> that it happens to the best of us. <laughs> All right. So a proposal. Um,
1: so, Let's say that you're talking to a client and you unearth a need for your services, whether you're a logo designer, or UI designer, um, you can do something that's going to help them out and they can pay you. And you have this conversation where it's like, yeah, typically my work is, you know, X amount of dollars per hour, or, uh, it's, it's a flat fee of whatever, 5,000, $10,000. And then the client says, oh, okay, well, you know, send me an estimate or send me a proposal. And they ask for something, They ask for a document. And so what I like to think of a proposal is, is, is the, is the paper proof of a conversation that you had with a client. And uh, that comes from Blair ends when without pitching fantastic book. I highly recommend it. Um, but you use the proposal in order to, to help close the job. And this is the, the take home item that the client can, can bring to their uh, company or to their boss or just kind of have themselves and, and keep to themselves to review the deal when you're not on the phone. So a proposal is um, basically saying we're going to do all of these things and we are going to charge you all of these dollars in exchange. And the way that we put together proposals is a really—it's really a representation of our company as a whole, and then we also include our capabilities. Um, So some of the case studies that we've done in the past, and uh, you know our services and things like that. But there's a certain way that you can construct these things that helps close the deal. There is one important distinction that I want to make sure that that all the listeners understand is. A proposal is not a contract. And so that's something I go really, really deep into in the perfect proposal is you're sending a proposal for a job. And when the proposal is approved, then you move into the contracting phase. So there's an important distinction. But you want to have something that the client, especially if they have a team or if they have um if they're you know, a marketing director and they report to a CMO or a CEO, you want to have something that they can carry around and say, this is what I want to buy. And this is what they can promise to do. And this is what they have done. And that's what a proposal does.
0: Fantastic. Um, I want to steer people towards the perfect proposal product you have and I'll create another link for that. Um, I think logigeekuk forward slash perfect proposal. Um I've gone through this product myself and I need to stress that um you haven't just thrown together a template you've also actually included uh the um proposal that blind actually send clients and and for me that was one of the most inspiring things that that made it worth uh getting when you work for yourself as these things aren't publicly available you often question how big agencies do this type of thing so mm-hmm. you, so you have no idea how you compare with the um rest of the market but this was like hi okay um so that's what big agencies like blind would uh, send to their clients yep, exactly um the the product uh includes really solid templates and um a supporting guide too but i I think just seeing the um example from blind alone makes you um makes it totally worth um buying um i really do think it's one of the best feature products that i've personally seen and um a lot of designers i've spoken to recently are redesigning their proposal based on uh what you put together so i, I think it's definitely worth people checking out and and as i mentioned they can do that by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash perfect proposal well, thanks yeah i appreciate that and as as
1: the author of the kit it's so incredible to see the testimonials come back like We had this one kid um, in, I want to say it was in Houston, Houston, Texas in America. And we met him at a, at a future meetup. We were there for, for client work and we did this little future meetup in the, in the bar and we had about 20 people show up and this kid shows up and he says, man, listen, I just want to thank you for the perfect proposal. He's like, I use that to land a $10,000 job. And he was like, then I realized that I didn't have a discovery process, so I bought Core, and I used Core to run the discovery, and that $10,000 job turned into a $40,000 job. And then I knew that I wanted to keep doing this, so I enrolled in business boot camp, and then all of a sudden, now these jobs are just rolling in. And he was 20 years old. And I was wow. just blown away. <laughs> you know, like, I, sometimes all it takes is just a little bit of like, transparency and a little bit of like a spark to just get somebody yeah. into the mindset that they need to be in and, and to get them the resources that they need to to do big things so I was just seeing that stuff come in I mean it's it's worth the whole the whole authorship writing
0: process <laughs> oh yeah absolutely and I, I've gone through call myself and um, that's really actionable. It is a process that you can um, pretty much use to uh, to run um, a meeting uh, right away. Um, I spent a lot of money on courses over the years um, for brand strategy in particular and most of the time uh, the courses leave it open to in- interpretation and you, know, you need to work out your own workshop off the back of it. But with Core, you can just purchase it and you can run a workshop using um, that framework the um, perfect proposal is is the 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 same that you can take it as it is and, and swap out your own information and that will help you um, convert clients more effectively and, and look much more like a pro as well it's amazing with a bit of mindset mm-hmm. change and and a bit of confidence that even a 20 year old can can really up their game uh, especially getting 40k jobs like that I, I mean I'm, I'm jealous <laughs> yeah it was awesome with proposals would you put a a different template together for different types of projects it depends um by template do you mean a different design i mean the underlying contents of the proposal you'd obviously want to keep it looking the same but um would you create an entirely different document for different types of clients or um for different type of work that you carry out
1: Mm, that's a great question Number one, I would not change the design, right? So the template should be branded to your business, whatever your agency or freelance brand is. That's the brand that the the proposal should boast. Um, But as far as the content, over time, you're going to be sending out a lot of these things and you want to be able to create one and send it out in under an hour, I remember, you know, when blind was at its busiest, we've, we've slowed down blind pretty dramatically. We're actually not even taking on clients right now to focus on the future. Um, but when blind was running, I was sending two or three proposals every single day. And so we were you know, I, I had to do these super, super quickly. So what I found was I was creating this backlog of copy. And I made a swipe file for myself, which is basically this big Word document, or it's on Notion, I believe, full of copy that describes each individual deliverable or each individual page that goes into a proposal. And so whenever I was creating something new, I would just copy and paste over um, from the swipe file. And this saved so much time. Um, in the next iteration of the perfect proposal, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to build that swipe file into the kit so that you guys have pretty much everything that I wrote over the years. Because how many times have you drawn up a proposal and then written the same thing over and over again? And it's that redundancy that just kills your time, you know, like describing what stylescapes are in a proposal. You don't need to rewrite that between every single client, um, so that's going to be included. And then the other thing is the um, the case studies inside the proposal. Sometimes, if we can tell that the client really hasn't explored our website, or if we can, if we have case studies that are somewhat restricted on where we can share, like uh, maybe we signed an NDA on them that doesn't expire yet. Uh, So we can't put them on our website, but they'd be perfect to show to, you know, one client. We'll put those in the proposal. And it really helps to have a bucket of case studies that you can pull from. So the way that we have ours arranged is we'll have like a master keynote of all of our case studies. And then whenever I'm putting together a proposal, I'll copy and paste two or three of of the most appropriate case studies for that client. So that way, you know, even if two clients got together and shared their proposals between each other, there might be some duplication in the language, but they're going to look very, very, very different. Even though it didn't take much time to to put together at all.
0: Amazing that that's what I was hoping that you would recommend. You know, to have one uh, master file and to edit that accordingly um it's also awesome that you're going to be adding a a swap file to the to the product so that people can chop and change things uh, easily yeah um ben i'm I'm conscious we are short on time so I, i think that's a good point to wrap up the interview but Thank you so much for coming on. I I think even though it's been a shorter 30 minute episode, uh, we packed loads into this interview. So I know listeners will have uh, got a lot of value from it. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks so much. And
1: for everybody listening, just remember, you know, I I know that a lot of people are going through tough times right now. Um, We're right in the middle of of the coronavirus pandemic. But just remember this too shall pass um we're gonna get through this and i hope everyone is happy and safe and home thanks again ben
0: it's, it's been really good to chat thanks a bunch man i had a blast this was fun If you enjoyed this episode, let myself and Ben Burns know by giving us a shout out on social media. Why not take a photo of where you are in the world and let us know that you're listening. I always love to hear from listeners and I know that Ben will appreciate it too. If you want to learn more about Ben Burns, head to thefuture.com or if you want to check out the courses like I mentioned and support the Logo Geek a podcast in the process head to logogeek.uk forward slash future alternatively check out the show notes for this episode where i'll link to that all of ben's social profiles links to any books or resources we mentioned as well as a full transcription of the conversation too To find the show notes, head to logogeek.uk forward slash 75. Again, to find the show notes for this week's episode, head to logogeek.uk forward slash 75. If you're keen to discuss anything mentioned in this interview with me and over 8,000 logo designers from around the world, join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and it's incredibly active, meaning that you'll get your questions answered, the feedback that you want and the support that you need as a designer to grow. To find that, just head to locogeek.uk forward slash community or do a search on Facebook for the local Geek community and hopefully you will find it. On top of that, if you'd like to jump on group video calls with me and a handful of other professional designers every two weeks, you can do that by joining Logo Geek Plus. It's only $10 a month to join and for that, you'll get access to a private forum Slack group uh, the video calls every two weeks like I mentioned as well as all recordings from previous sessions too. If that's of interest just head to community.logageek.uk and when you first sign up I'll also send you a Logo Geek enamel pin badge too. So that is it for this week but I will see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek podcast.